Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. If you are following our services regularly, you might know that our church's topic of the year has been a serving heart. As this is the final church service of the year, Hans-Georg Hopprich will preach the final sermon of this series, and he will look at the consequences of serving this time. What is a realistic evaluation of serving? What can be the dark side of serving, and how can we cope with the consequences of serving? Join us and Hans-Georg now to find out more. It means so much uh, to us to be with you uh, this morning. It's a great privilege uh, to share uh, in person, but also sharing with one another. We are not on our own, but uh, we are sharing in fellowship. We're here to listen to what God wants to say to us personally and uh, to many others that are with us this morning elsewhere, all around the globe, and uh, we are privileged to have that kind of uh, fellowship. Even during uh, locked down, we know that uh, the Lord and His power, His presence, His Spirit can never be locked down. In fact, uh, His Spirit is uh, moving all around the globe to bring people in to his fellowship, um, into his presence. Um, and uh, we know that there are so many uh, that uh, preach the word this morning and even more so that are listening to the word of God. And the word of God has power to change um, and to make the things that are impossible for humans to make it possible for his glory. Now, as um, Philip has said already, we have touched so many areas of um, serving. The last time, about uh, two months ago, we were talking about the salt and light aspect, um, the, the fact that we are all, as Christians, we are all influencers, whether we like it or not whether we are on a small scale or on a big scale, but indeed, as Christians, we are influencers. That has ever been like that, and uh, we are reminded, uh, especially um, here in uh, Christian um, Europe, that um, this, uh, the second day of um, celebrating Christmas um, is uh, giving us um, a reminder to Stephanus in the Bible, to Stephen, and uh, the second uh, day of celebrating Christmas um, is giving us a great uh, uh, reminder to who Stephanus, Steph, Stephen has uh, been. We read about him in uh, Acts uh, chapter 7 when he delivers an incredible sermon about the history of Israel and it just hit the people around him. It was a, just the word of God. He wasn't acting or knocking out people. It was the word of God. That really hit the people, and in the end, because it hit the people, they just put action um, and um, 
In Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 57, we read, And then they mopped him, putting their hands over their ears, and drowning him out, his voice with their shouts, and dragged him out of the city to stone him. The official witness, the executioners, took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man called Saul. And as the murderous stone came hurting at him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Our Christian faith, my dear fellow listeners, brothers and sisters, they have consequences. Whether we like them, the consequences or not, there are consequences. Whenever my uh, kids got married, uh, I met them together with Margaret the day before they had their uh, civil wedding or their church wedding. And uh, we said to them, from now on, you are responsible for your wife, for your wife-to-be, and also for yourself. Whenever there's trouble, don't come on your own. <laughs> come together with your wife to share whatever is on your heart. To become a husband and wife has consequences. And also, of course, consequences are there when we turn 18. Uh, the, law, law, the law says that we are fully responsible to the law that is written down. From the day we turn 18 on, we are responsible. It has consequences to all ends of, of our lives. And uh, years ago, there was a, a TV program called Truth or Consequences. The format of the show was quite... A simple one. First of all, a contestant was introduced. He was then asked a question, a given a set amount of time in, in which to answer. If the answer was correct, the truth, then a prize was given to him or her. If the answer was incorrect or not given in time, however, the contestant would have to suffer consequences that ranged from one ridiculous extreme to another. Perhaps one of the reasons of the popularity of that program at that time, truth or consequences, aside from the hilarious part, the hilarious consequences, is that Viewers sensed a familiar parallel to their life, with their life. And generally speaking, our society, the society where we live, wherever we are, we live with consequences. 
Generally speaking, our society is built on the idea of rewarding what is true or good or and punishing what is false or bad. Taking driving, for instance, as we came from Eisenstadt to Vienna, we saw these gray boxes and it is said, you know, you can only drive uh, 70 uh, kilometers per hour. If you speed up, it would not take a long time that you get a beautiful picture of yourself sitting in your car and you're snapped. And then according to the speed you were driving, you would either they would even take your driving license off. Um, or you would pay quite a, a high fine. It has consequences. But mind you, if you hurtle down the highway um, and you put other at risk, uh, again, <laughs> you're punished with a ticket. Or even worse, as I said, the license is, is taken away. And rewarding what's good and punishing what's bad make, um, make sense. It is fair. It is what we want life to be like. Unfortunately, as all too many of us already know, life is not always logical or fair or even gentle. Humble servants, that's uh, the topic and serving um, humble servants that we look at so many times during this series of a serving heart. Let us just have a, a but a realistic evaluation of what serving is all about. I think we we really need to be realistic, and this is why I want to pick up a realistic evaluation of what serving is all about. The truth is, in the life of all servants, there will be a times of reaping negative consequences for speaking the truth or for doing what is right. And many of us, they were caught up in this. There were people were pointing fingers, look at him, the kind of things he's presenting and t telling to, to you and others. It happens, and it seems to be happening more frequently as society moves further and further away from the Lord. In fact, uh, not even at the beginning when the first church was formed, so many people got perked, uh, getting persecuted all around the globe. And there was never a time so many Christians get persecuted as right now. So many Christians are sitting in a, a dark dungeon somewhere in a jail because of them presenting to the, the gospel to the people around them. Perhaps that is why the Apostle Peter was moved by the Holy Spirit to give us two important reasons for patiently bearing such times. 
The first reason found in many, it, it may surprise you. In 1 Peter 2, verse 18 to 20, we read, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor for the sake of conscience towards God. A man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Naturally, when we are punished instead of, uh, for, uh, of praise for doing good, we feel really outraged. And that anger, that, and that, uh, anger motivates us to defend ourselves. It's natural to defend ourselves because we are outraged. That cannot be happen. Why is it like that? And we defend ourselves to discredit our accuser uh, and we do indeed uh, want to see justice. The Lord, however, says that when we do just the opposite and humbly endure, we catch his eye, his heart and his favor. The second reason Peter, the Apostle Peter, encourages us to respond this way is, is that in doing so we follow Christ's example. Christ has given us this very example. It is not a human, but this is what Christ, the Lord Jesus himself did. So he would be the best example. That's exactly what he did. So we do would do good to follow in his footsteps. So Peter, in his uh, again in his first uh, letter in chapter two, verses twenty-one to twenty-three, we we can read: For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges Righteously. None of us will ever outgrow the need to follow Jesus' example. We will never reach a spiritual plateau where unfair treatment does not exist. If anything, the more committed and Christ-like we become, the more we will encounter this particular trial, 
The Apostle Paul certainly found this to be very true. Rather, rather than provide protection, his faithful ministry as a uh, servant, as a bond servant to the Lord, constantly exposed him to mistreatment. So in one of my favorite letters in the New Testament, that is 2 Corinthians, we find the expression of it. We will enter, um, so to speak, into the dark consequences he faced. He, he was so realistic. He was so authentic to talk about these realities. The dark side of serving. And let, let us open our eyes to it. We cannot look to one side, but let's look and put and fix our eyes on it. The fact that servants often suffer unjustly was not something Paul tried to hide from the Christians in Corinth, not at all. He was talking about, he elaborated it. He put it into practice even in his own life. On the contrary, as you may recall from chapter 13, the apostle vividly portrayed the dark side of serving. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, he said, he was afflicted in every way, meaning pressured, harassed, oppressed. He felt confused, perplexed, without resources, empty-handed, embarrassed, in doubt. He was persecuted. Driven, kept on the run by the relentless pursuit of his enemies. And he was struck down. A phrase whose meaning can be summed up in the word rejected. It is as if he was identifying four broad categories of consequences. All servants will be called upon to endure. A little later in his letter in chapter 11, Paul goes even further to give some specific personal examples upon to endure of suffering from each of the four categories. Why? To combat all the negative things the false apostles were saying about his authority and authenticity as a servant, listen, the four categories, each of the four categories, he begins his defense. He says in 2 Corinthians 11, 22 to 23, he said, Are they Hebrew? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? 
I speak as if insane. With rapid fire questions, Paul compares himself to, to his critics while working his way up to the key issue of his servanthood. He tells us just how absurd he feels in making this comparison, but he does so for the sake of the Corinthians. Are they servants? Paul asked. I more so. And he goes on to present the evidence. But it is not what he might expect. Instead of describing all his wonderful achievements, he chronicles his sufferings, which, he, which have interesting parallels with the categories from the previous chapter uh, 4.23. In far more labor, in far more imprisonment, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. So, Look at the first um, aspect in far more labors. The Greek word for labors here is kopos, the Greek word, and it means personal toil, trouble, painful effort, stress, stress to the point of exhaustion. Although a different term from the one used in chapter 4 for afflicted, it still communicates the very same idea. Paul makes this even clearer as he describes some of the conditions under which he labored. And we read in 2 Corinthians 11, 27, 28, he writes, I have been in labor and hardship. Through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. I am just reminded to one of our outreaches in Papua New Guinea, we went up the mountains our stomach was empty because we expected the people to give us something to eat and they had some traditional uh, meetings and in fact all their gardens were gobbled up, were eaten up, nothing was left. So when we came as a team of five or six people, we the only thing we carried was a rucksack. And of course you can't carry much in a rucksack and within a day or so, it was empty. There was nothing to eat left. Nothing. So for three days, can you imagine? Nothing to eat. We had some water. But our stom stomach was empty. So I can feel somehow with the Apostle Paul, he may have experienced it to a far, a far bigger extent but living without food and doing what is expected from you is pretty hard. Concern of all the churches that was put upon him. Many of us created such 
stained glass image of Paul that we forget that he wrestled with the same afflictions of servanthood you and I. If you are a Christian, a dedicated Christian, a follower of Christ, you will also experience to some kind of extent the same kind of things. The sleepless nights, the hunger, the pressure, this all came as a direct result of his laying down his life to serve others in far more labor. Secondly, in far more imprisonment. Paul's prison experience is answer to the second category uh, that is confusion, embarrassment. Doubt and being without any resources, empty-handed. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six, we read, I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren, and it goes on and on, dangers, and so on. It was also in Papua New Guinea, and I may have um, told the story of when we did our first outreach up the mountains, up to this uh, tribal area of the Mamusi. Um, they tried to kill me on three occasions. But according to the grace of God, God protected us. And that was the breakthrough in this area because the power of God was stronger than their own power, even the power of their spears and arrows. So God protected in the dangers. And after um, 10 years or so, they acted out what happened then because it confused them. We were not confused because we didn't even know that they want to kill us. But God stood with us in dangers. We We did not even know. In this verse, one verse, Paul uses dangers. Eight times, everywhere the apostle went, dangers abounded. Having to live with these dangers could easily have caused him to wonder about the Lord's goodness. It is so human to think like that. Who could fault him for crying, Lord? Why should someone who faithfully serves you like I do to become a haunt like a haunted animal? This isn't fair. As servants, though, we are called to live transparent, vulnerable lives. which can sometimes leave us open to danger and uncertainty. And when life is shaky and we're feeling insecure, it is, it is easy to begin feeling that our confusion and doubts are inescapable. Paul reminds us in far more labors, in far more imprisonment, 
beaten times without numbers. The reality of our third category, persecution, is never clearer than when it involves physical abuse. And we are reminded this morning again, even though uh, the day of Stephen yesterday uh, has gone by, what we are reminded to those um, Christians around the globe that are persecuted constantly in whatever situation they are, some of them are beaten up even to death. And Paul is a, a remind, he reminds us, this is the potential. This is what happens. In 2 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25, um, Paul writes, Five times I received from the Jews 39 slashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Now, who said that? A crook? A murderer? What do you reckon? My brothers and sisters, wherever you are, who said that? A servant. And Paul was not alone. Many servants have expressed and are indeed experiencing right now such kind of persecution. If some of you may have doubts, just read the Fox books about um, of Ma the book of martyrs. Read the book of my fellow countryman from Romania, Richard Wormbrandt, tortured for Christ. A spoke in the wheel, Renate Wind, captivating um, the biography of uh, my fellow countryman of Germany, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Or, for that matter, uh, in Holland, there, there lived a lady, a beautiful lady, Corinthian Booms. And uh, even in Austria, we could see the film in the cinemas of um, the hiding place. This is what Paul is talking about in far more labors, in far more imprisonment, beaten times without number, and lastly, often in danger of death. The phrase in danger of death, imp death implies that though deadly enemies were hot on his heels, Paul was still a step ahead of them. Death had not overtaken him yet, as we read in verse 23, he says, In this we can see a link to chapter 4, 9, where Paul said, He was struck down, but not destroyed. Knocked down, but not knocked out. As you know, I'm um, favoring boxing sport. It's not a beautiful one, but that's what's happening. Struck down, but not destroyed. Knocked out, but not knocked down, but not knocked out. Uh, just how often Paul was struck down and how close he came to being destroyed is revealed in chapter 11. And as we read in chapter 11, 25, it says, shipwrecked three times. 
A day and night, verse 25, a day and night spent in the ocean, surrounded, verse 26, surrounded by constant dangers. Again, the same word, danger, without sufficient food, 27, being exposed to the elements, verse 27, eluding death through a daring escape, in verse 23. Yes, indeed. Now is the time, really, to make suggestions. How in the world do we cope with these kind of consequences? As servants, how do we cope with the harsh reality of mistreatment? What can help us to endure? Two reassuring truth to hold on to during unsettling times are the first one, my dear fellow brothers and sisters, those listening wherever you are, take heart, take it with you as you may endure circumstances that Paul described here in your own life. And the first truth is nothing, nothing touches us that has not passed through the hands of our heavenly Father. Nothing. Nothing that ever mistreatment occurs, we can bear up under it with the courage and confidence that comes from knowing that it has first been sovereignty surveyed and permitted by our Lord. It came from Him. He is the one who conveys exactly this very message. First, nothing touches us that has not passed through the hands of our Heavenly Father. Secondly, Everything we endure is designed to prepare us for serving others more effectively. Everything, everything will help us to serve others. What a great topic in finishing this topic. It's through the consequences that we face as servants. We even serve better our neighbor, our family, our brothers and sisters around the globe. It's because of serving them better, God allows this to happen. And Paul affirmed this, uh, this same truth in, in the opening of 2 Corinthians when he says, Thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that He is our Father and the source of all mercy and comfort. For He gives us comfort in all our trials so that... Is it for nothing? No. So that we in turn may be able, it is enabling us to give the same sort of strong sympathy to others in their troubles that we receive from God. When we started our ministry in burying people in Burgenland, 
Our first encounter with um, those uh, doing uh, uh, burying people as a business, um, uh, they asked me, you know, why in the world do you do that? You're not a, a nobody. Nobody knows you. So, well, Swabian people are sometimes a little bit slow. Um, and uh, so I asked them, just give me a minute. Uh, I will give you a, an answer. And then suddenly it dawned on me exactly that verse. I can only comfort people if, you, if I'm comforted first. I cannot. So please, if you take something from this morning, if things happening in your life where you feel devastated, use it. As something from God. So it will enable us to help others that are in the same troubles. When we have realistically faced and endured dark times of unfair consequences, we can better understand and serve those who face similar struggles. We have looked at some personal examples of unjust suffering from the Apostle Paul's life. Maybe you, our dear listeners, listeners, wherever you are, you too experience this right now, or you may experience and you listen to what we want to convey or what we said this morning even later on. Affliction, confusion, persecution, rejection. Are you ready to endure? As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7, God comforts each of us in our suffering so that we might minister effectively to others who experience similar trials. With that in mind, think back to the most difficult mistreatment you have suffered, and I'm sure some of our listeners out in this world of God, they have suffered mistreatment. And how God comforted you during that time, specific time of suffering, is a close friend of yours experiencing a similar consequence? This is what Paul talks about. It's not there for nothing. But it's there to help others that are in a similar situation. May I urge you to stand with this person in love and patience. Would you be ready to counsel this close friend of yours? Think of ways of how you could offer your comfort. The famous Alexander Solzhenitsyn and um, Elie Wiesel, both men represented most millions of other men, women and children who have been imprisoned and forgotten by men. People who suffered unjustly in Russian gulags or Nazi concentration camps, for some like Solzhenitsyn, these men made hells helped bring about their spiritual conversion. For others like 
Wieso? The hellish experience reduced what faith they had to a burning up ashes. Elie Wiesel wrote, Never shall I forget that night, the first night in camp, which has turned my life into one long night, seven times cursed and seven times sealed. Never shall I forget that smoke. Never shall I forget the little faces of the children whose bodies I saw turned from wreath of smoke beneath, beneath a silent blue sky. Never shall I forget those flames which consumed my faith forever. Never shall I forget that natural silence which deprived me for all eternity of the desire to live. Never. Shall I forget those moments which murdered my God and my soul and turned my dreams to dust? Never shall I forget these things, even if I'm condemned to live as long as God himself. Never. Indeed, the pain, the incredible pain of suffering unjustly is one of the severest trials we as humans can enter into. It is a sanctuary of flames from which some emerge with tempered, unshakable faith, which others, it's only ashes that emerges. Perhaps your faith is being refined in the fire of unjust suffering right now. The persecution and pain is intense. What is it that can protect your faith from being consumed? The greatest rest in this kind of suffering is our attitude toward it. In finishing, I want to pick up um, an Austrian well-known, worldwide known, Uh, that is um, a quote from Viktor Frankl, the great Austrian Jewish neurologist and psychiatrist. In 1941, he married his first wife, Tilly Grosser. Soon after they were married, she became pregnant, but they were forced to abort this child. Tilly died in Bergen-Belsen concentration camp. His father, Gabriel, died in Terezin concentration camp on 13th of February 1943, aged 41, from starvation and pneumonia. His mother and brother, Walter, were both killed in Auschwitz. He himself survived several concentration camps. You almost wonder, you know, is it possible in this kind of situation to survive and not to give up? Viktor Frankl writes in his famous book out of 36 books he wrote, Man's Search of Meaning. Everything can be taken from a man. But one thing, the last human freedoms to choose One's attitude in any given set of circumstances to choose one's own way. We cannot control whether today or tomorrow we will be treated fairly. 
but we can choose how we will respond. Our attitude is something we can control. What attitude have you chosen in response to your situation? Is it one that encourages you to patiently endure? Again, First Peter chapter 2, 21 to 23, we read about what Jesus deliberately chose when he was treated unfairly. This is the example of our Lord Jesus. We cannot get a better example than that. So Peter writes, For you have been called for this purpose. We do belong to a church, ecclesia, the people that are called out, and we are called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. May I ask you one last question? And I hope that will stick to the minds of all of us, to your personal and your circumstances, wherever you find yourself, brother, sister, what will you deliberately choose when unfairly treated? Will you follow in the footsteps of Christ? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your incredible example. It touches our heart. We are reminded to the cross. You did not commit one sin, and yet you died for our sins. We thank you that you are a faithful God. You are a God who is with us in every circumstance. I will be with you. That is your commandment, to go and preach the gospel. I will be with you. Thank you for this great promise that you will never, ever forsake us. If God is for us, who will be against us? We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your promises that never fail. And we thank you for the time you give us, even now in lockdown, we want to commit our lives into your hands because your hands are good. Your love never fails. We thank you that you've brought about this situation that we all find us anywhere in the world. But we thank you also, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness. So we want to commit our lives afresh. In the kind of situation we find ourselves, some of us may be even persecuted. Some of us may suffer 
unjustly consequences. And yet, Lord Jesus, you never change. You are the same today, tomorrow, and forever. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being with us. And we want to commit our lives again and afresh into the righteous hands of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for being us even tomorrow and in the days to come till the end of our lives when we see you face to face, the one who suffered but raised again. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence. Thank you for your words that are spoken to us personally. And thank you that you are trustworthy in every circumstances. Thank you that you bless our listeners wherever they are, that you are with them. Put your hands upon them. Guide them. Strengthen them. So that we all can follow in your footsteps. We praise you. You are worthy to be praised. We give you all the glory. And with thankful hearts, we praise you. And um, thank you that you are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.